This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Hey chickens, the Sarah Janathon continues here in the Theory Podcast with Pyramids of Mars Part 2. We've uh, been brought Sutek's gift of death to all humanity. Uh, it is not a gift I'm mad for because it involves uh, charred carpet. And that, that you're just going to have to pull up the whole thing and start again. Like, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, and burning shoulders. Uh, like Which would be good for a, a little while for a massage because you want a bit of heat to get through there. But you don't want smoke to come out. Um, anyway, old mate Fez is dead. Uh... I'm sure it was in the story and it had nothing to do with his uh, too much capital A acting. Um, and then the the guy in the black leather coat, well, it's not even a coat, it's just like a, it's like a doona. <laughs> it's a doona and a helmet. Uh, anyway, that all fades away and it's it's Marcus from the tomb. Uh, Marcus Scarman slash Howard Carter, Lord Carnarvon. Um, uh, and then he starts instructing, instructing the mummies to take up the generator loops and place them at the compass points. The generator loop, loops are canopic jars, which are... Yeah. So the ancient Egyptians, they, you know, embalmed the bodies and wrapped them in in cloth, like the, so the mummies we've seen. Um and then what they did was, like, before they embalmed them, they scooped out all their internal organs and their brains and stuff and put them in these jars. And they thought they might need them in the afterlife. Um, I don't know. I guess you'd scoop it out of the jar and shove it back in yourself. I don't know how it works. But anyway, these jars are not full of organs. They're full of generator loops. Uh, so while the... <laughs> When he comes in with the mummies, uh, Sarah, the doctor hides behind the door, and Sarah and the brother um, 
hide in a trunk together and like nothing said about it they're just like jammed in there then they just pop out it's like oh yeah we've been in there the whole time it's it is like seriously if that if this episode was made today there'd be 47 innuendos about what went on in that trunk um the doctor is nearly sucked into the sarcophagus tunnel i know it's very difficult for me not to make jokes um He's nearly sarcophagus up into the tunnel. Uh, <laughs> and apparently it's a space-time tunnel that goes to Sutek. Uh, the Doctor throws something in and it explodes and he's knocked out. Um, and then we get to see uh, a poacher. Oh, I love a poacher. One of my favourite poachers in Doctor Who is the one in Spearhead from Space, the first uh, John Pertwee who finds the nesting ball and hides it in his in his shed. Um, anyway, this poacher is trying to catch rabbits and he's caught a mummy. There's a mummy with his foot caught in a rabbit trap. The first, like, so we've we've seen people killed by the mummies, but we've never seen the actual action of the killing. We've just seen the results of the, the murder. So the first time we see a mummy doing anything kind of full on, he's caught in a rabbit trap and it makes me go, maybe these mummies are no good. <laughs> Uh, then the poacher <laughs> um, runs into an invisible wall and it's mime time. Oh, I love a good mime. So he feels the invisible wall, Marcel Marceau style, throws a stick at it and it bounces. And I'm like, oh, that is a good effect. Like it was probably cheap. It's probably on a string. But still, it looked really good. I was like, oh, this is convincing for the 70s. Um, so the doctor's unconscious, so they need to find somewhere to hide him. And uh, the brother finds a priest hole. Um, I know, sarcophaguses and priest holes. This episode is uh, very difficult to talk about in polite terms. Um, so this Sarah and the brother start dragging the doctor into the, into the priest hole. He goes, oh, it's not very big. And Sarah's like, well, he is, so I need a hand. <laughs> She's so funny. I love her. She's just so normal. Um, so Marcus goes to see Warlock, uh, Dr. Warlock, who's recuperating under the blankie uh, down at the cottage at the end of the, the drive. Um, and he's like, the human, where is the other scar man? Um, and Dr. Warlock calls Sarah a plucky young girl. The doctor and your brother have gone off with a plucky young girl. Oh, heaven um, and then all the humans inside the deflection barrier will be destroyed i love this dialogue it is so much fun um and then he instructs the mummies to destroy this human we don't see it like i love when you don't see a murder um but the poacher hears it or sees it and he's he's furious he's like <gasps> murdering swine uh the doctor says never underestimate sutek uh so <laughs> The doctor has decided he needs to set up, and I've had to write this down, an etheric impulse directed along the correct axis. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds very impressive. So he's going to block Sutek's mental powers with um, the brother's Marconi scope, which is just this gorgeous bit of, you know, Edwardian <laughs> burgeoning electricity thing. Uh, at one point, the brother's like, it's filled with dangerous electricity, electric currents. It's like, oh my God, remember when electricity was new and dangerous? It would have been so exciting. So uh, Marcus has told the mummies to go off and kill all of the other humans and the poacher shoots him through the window because uh, he's like furious that he's killed Dr. Warlock and he sucks the smoke back into his chest like it's a really good effect. Oh, 
I'm really loving the special effects in this episode. They're really, they're quite simple but really effective. Um, I guess that's what they called effects. Uh, so the mummies start chasing after the poacher, uh, and then the <laughs> the doctor wants to find the Egyptian's ring because he needs it to set up the you know access thing. <laughs> he needs it for the to block Sutek's thing. So they're looking for the Egyptian uh, and they have noticed that there are drag marks. Um, so they're like, oh, well, that obviously is where the, the mummies didn't even pick him up. They just dragged him. Um, so they've, they've, they've gone in and in, back into the sarcophagus cupboard. Uh, and the doctor starts talking about a resonating tuner, which is part of an anti-gravity drive. So there's like rockets or missiles or something. It's like, oh, very technical. Um, and then the doctor says that the mummies are robots. And it's like, oh, really? I was hoping there were reanimated dead people who'd been working out heaps. Um, but no, they're robots. Uh, and apparently Sutek's been trapped under a pyramid for 15,000 years. And while they're in the little cupboard, uh, they realise someone's coming. So they duck into the TARDIS. And while they're in there, Sarah wants to go back to 1980 because that's where she says she's from. This is the, ni- the 1980 in this story is like caused many issues <laughs> the timing of unit stories. Um, anyway, she wants to go back to 1980. She knows the world didn't end in 1911, so that Doctor takes her to 1980. It might be 1980, or he might have just gone to some random planet, which is a barren wasteland. Um, and he says, This is the future now because Sutek is you know, manipulating time as well as space and he's going to destroy the future. And she's like, oh, well, now we've got to go back. Um, so we come back to the poacher. He's hiding behind some trees and the buff mummies are coming slowly down a hill. Um, considering they were dancing quite quickly before, uh, this slow walk is is quite terrifying. And then the poacher runs into the invisible wall. The, the mummies are going to get him. Uh, the doctor and the gang jump out, pop out of the TARDIS and jump out the window. Then uh, Marcus is, you know, is talking to the sarcophagus uh, and Sutex says the missile is more important than killing everyone. So we've heard Sutek's voice now from the time tunnel, from the sarcophagus tunnel. And then they come back and find the dead Dr. Warlock and the doctor quite callously tells the brother that Marcus is dead. He's like, yeah, your brother's cocked it. Like whoever's in there, he's like, he's not, he's gone. Um, then the mummies kill the poacher by pushing their pecs together. It is gruesome um, and frightening. And it's, yeah. No wonder there were some concerns about the level of violence in in this era of Doctor Who. It's like, oh, that is too much. Uh, Sarah turns on the machine, uh, even though the brother tries to stop her because the Doctor says it's going to basically turn Marcus off, uh, his brother, and... um, then the mummies come in and they start strangling Sarah. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. Oh, this is very exciting. I, I'm, it's so gloriously atmospheric. I love that they're, you know, they quickly set up like, they're, oh, let's put a barrier around the whole ground so we can still run around in the glorious countryside, but then we know no one's going to come and bother us. So it's sort of like an extended Agatha Christie. <laughs> It's like, and then there were none, <laughs> but with mummy robots, it's it's really it's atmospheric and terrifying, and 
I wasn't mad for the bit in the TARDIS. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, I used to love TARDIS bits when I was a kid, but they, now they feel like they slow the story down. And also it's like, oh, why, don't, why don't you just leave? I do love that the, like, you know, they do have that conversation. Sarah's like, well, why don't we just leave if it's that bad? And the doctor's like, nah, can't. Um, all right, tomorrow, part three of the Pyramids of Mars. 